Welcome to the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church, we seek to love God, love others, and make a difference. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message impacts you. Today we kick off this new series called The Beautiful Mess. And this uh, really, really what we're talking about uh, over these next few weeks is how life uh, is this big, uh, th- th- there are things in life that are just undeniably beautiful. And there are things in life that are undeniably messy. And I, and I think sometimes we struggle and, and how do we approach these things? How, how, how do we look at life? But, but really, if you read the scripture, one of these, uh, the, these things we just see really from, from, from like the second or third chapter all the way through to, to, to where we, we see the end of the story is the Bible is filled with all of these beautifully messy stories and these beautifully messy people. And so really this tension is found all through Scripture that life is both beautiful, very beautiful, and very messy. And so when God creates everything in the garden, God says it was good, it was good, it was very good. And so at the very beginning, it was only beautiful, and that lasted for about 30 minutes. And then sin enters the world, and now it's this mix of beautiful and messy. And we see this throughout the whole Old Testament. From hero after hero, their, their life was beautiful and messy. We see God does this amazingly beautiful thing with Abraham. He makes these promises to Abraham like he's never made promises to another person that's ever lived. This set of things that he was going to do through Abraham and through his family. And, and so it's this incredible, uh, pr- beautiful promise, this beautiful faith journey. But then it begins to feel messy for Abraham and Sarah as, as things are taking long than they thought to come to pass, and then they begin to take some things in their own hands and, and, and try to kind of take control, and then the next thing you know, things get very, very messy, but God is still faithful to his promise and keeps his promise. It's this mix of this beautiful mess, and we see God's promise in Abraham is fulfilled in Isaac, and so then in this next generation, we see Isaac and Rebekah, and, and God does this incredible thing where, 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 where he providentially connects these two together get married. Rebecca's not getting pregnant. Isaac prays that, that they would have a baby. God answers beautifully. There are these two twins. And then we see this division kick in where, where, where Sarah favor, favors Jacob and, and where uh, Isaac favors Esau. There's this division in the family that then brings deception, that then causes these brothers to, to live in division. And so there's this mix of this beauty and this mess, but through it all, God is faithful. And so Jacob goes on and becomes this patriarch over this promised nation. We see God is beautifully fulfilling his promise even in the midst of the mess. And so, so, so Jacob has these sons and that lead the 12 tribes of, that become the patriarchs of the 12 tribes of Israel, but, but one of Jacob's, but Jacob has a favorite. So we see, we see this pattern uh, of multi-generational messiness. You ever seen that? It's like, hey, 
My family's been a little bit messy in this way, generation to generation. And so what we see is, is just, like, just like Jacob and Esau, mom and dad had their favorite. We see now Jacob has his favorite. It's Joseph. And so, so then we see that, that Joseph's life starts off very messy. His brothers think about killing him and they're like, oh no, let's just sell him into slavery instead. We get a little bit of money. We don't feel like we killed our brother. And, and then, but then, and so it's a very, very messy, but then God still is moving in beautiful ways where, where uh, Joseph ends up in jail, but then God delivers him, rises him up into prominence where he becomes the second most powerful person in Egypt. God uses him to save many, many lives. There ends up being reconciliation with him and his brothers at the end, but it's definitely this mix of beautiful and messy. We see this in the life of Moses. Moses is born at a very messy time in history. He's, in, he's born in Egypt to a, in a time where the Hebrews were slaves and they were getting too strong. And so Pharaoh said, let's kill the, 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 all the Hebrew boys as they're born as infants. And so, but then there's this beautiful deliverance that comes where his life is saved. He grows up in Pharaoh's household. But then there's this moment where he sees an, an, an Egyptian slave master beating a Hebrew. And so then Moses takes matters in his own hands, kills him, ends up having to, to flee for 40 years in the wilderness. It's this, this, this beautiful mess. But then in the, in the wilderness, God meets him and tells him that he's going to use him to deliver his people. And so then we see these beautiful miracles of deliverance. But then after the deliverance, now Moses finds himself leading these very, very messy people in the wilderness for 40 years. It's this beautiful mess over and over and over again. The life of David is so much beauty. He's like the ultimate worship leader, writes most of our Psalms. The Bible says he's a man after God's own heart. He's this hero as a child or as a young boy. He has this epically beautiful moment, defeats Goliath, but it was still a mess. Where, where he ends up committing adultery, having a guy killed. We see all of this division and drama in his family that come out of his messiness. It's this mix of beauty and mess. We, see, we even see this in the life of Jesus. You see, it's easy to say, well, Jesus' life wasn't messy. He's perfect. Jesus was perfect, surrounded by a bunch of messy people. Surrounded by a messy world. He was born in a barn to an unwed mother, immediately becomes a refugee. Flee, being, their family flees for their life. And we see that his actual family thought he was literally crazy. People always wanting to kill him. His friends, no matter how clearly he made it all clear to them, they seem to just never get it. And at the end, when he's actually giving his life for us, one of, his, one of his friends betrays him, the other denies he ever knew him. Jesus says, but at the same time, there was so much beauty. There was feeding, the feeding of the 5,000, causing the lame to walk, the blind to see, raising the dead. All of this beauty mixed with all of this mess. We see this in the life of Paul. Paul, Paul we see, it starts off so messy. We're introduced to Paul when he's, when he's called Saul, and, and our first introduction to him is seeing him be the one leading the stoning of Stephen, the first martyr. So we're introduced to him in this incredible mess. He's actually killing a Christian, and then he's walking down a road. Jesus appears to him, and he has this incredible salvation moment. So we see Saul goes from the killer of Christians to then becoming the greatest missionary that the world's ever seen, planting all of these churches that then ended up, be, be, how we ended up coming to, to faith, churches that started churches that started churches all the way leading to us. But even in the midst of it, it was messy. 
He says there were times he was shipwrecked, times he was hungry, times he had no clothes, times he was being attacked by non-believers, times he was being attacked by people who called themselves believers. It was messy. He had physical issues, this thorn in his flesh, and it, maybe some people think it was blindness. And, 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 but in the midst of this, God is using him and sustaining him and doing all these incredible things. But his life was this beautiful mess. We see in the early churches, they, they were this beautiful mess where God's doing all these incredible things. Lives are being changed. Miracles are being performed. But at the same time, people aren't getting along. The early church was growing so fast and they said, well, hey, these widows are being taken better care of than these widows. And there was this division. And we see probably the clearest picture of a beautiful mess is the church at Corinth. See, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, if you have your Bible, let's go 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I knew some of you guys weren't gonna relax until you got to do that, wanted that for you. We read this first couple of weeks ago. Paul writing in the church at Corinth, he says this. He says, but just as you excel in everything, he's like, you guys are killing it. Just as you guys excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us. He says, you guys are killing it in all these different ways. But this was the same church that didn't even know how to take communion right. Like they're like, hey guys, we're gonna take communion. And, and then everyone's like, well, well, this is my chance to eat a bunch of food before the, the, the rich people would get there early because they, they worked from home. They Zoomed. And uh, so they'd show up early and then the poor people that had to work till, the, till the, everything closed, they'd get there late. And they're like, hey guys, I'm sorry, we, we ate all the food. And Paul's like, what's wrong with you? This whole thing is about what Jesus did, the ultimate act of selflessness and you've turned it into this crazy act of selfishness. Literally a guy in the church having sex with his stepmom. Like, but Paul says, just as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and, and love, but man, they clearly were a mess. And so we see this, this thing all through scripture that, that, that life is this mix of the beauty and the mess. And here's the thing, embracing this tension is difficult for us. But if we can learn to embrace this tension, it can also be powerful for us. I don't know about you, but sometimes my instinct is to see things as a binary. Like, you, know, you go to somebody and you say, well, well, well how's everything going? And, and they'll say, oh, everything's great. Or you say, man, did you, have, did you have a good day? And they're like, oh, well, every day's good. And I'm like, in that moment, I'm like, either that guy wanted to give me a short answer, fair. B, that guy's life is better than mine. <laughs> or he's just not thought very deeply. Because the fact is, there's, there's never a time where everything is good, right? There's never a time where, where it really is just like everything is as we wish it was. That is not how this life is. And, and at the same time, there's moments where, where I, I may be having a bad day or a bad afternoon or a bad hour, and my instinct, oh, well, how, how, how was today? And you're like, well, the whole day was terrible. Like we kind of look at it as a binary, like either everything's really good or everything's really terrible. But if we can learn to live in this tension, this, uh, this, that, that there's a lot of beautiful things in life but then there is also some messy stuff in life. There's so much beauty, so much love to be shared. The joy of a marriage in a good moment. 
The beauty of sharing a great meal with good friends. The beauty of a nice summer evening around a campfire with your favorite people. You're gonna have to wait eight months to do that again. <laughs> Unless you leave town. Great moments with your kids or a great spiritual experience with God. There's, there's so much beauty, but there's also all these different kinds of messiness. There's all these different kinds. Sometimes messiness just looks like busyness or chaos or stress. It's not that anything's really that bad. It's just that there's just so much and I just feel rushed and stressed and chaotic. Sometimes it just looks like that. Sometimes messiness is just what comes by living in a broken, fallen world where work is difficult and people get sick and we lose loved ones. It's simply a fact of living in a broken, fallen world. Sometimes it's just messy dealing with other people who are not even really doing anything wrong or sinful. Like sometimes it's not that this person's sinning, it's just I don't enjoy being around them. You ever have that moment? Relationships can be tricky. Sometimes, it, sometimes life can be messy because of the choices of others that might be rooted in, in their brokenness or sinful choices. Sometimes life can be messy because of decisions made out of our own brokenness or, or our own sinful choices. But as messy as life can be, there's still so much beauty. See, sometimes the mess may just be for a season. See, in a couple of weeks, many of us will be with our families. And some of you have mixed feelings about that. You get to spend time with your family two weeks after the midterms. You're welcome. You're welcome. That'll be good. But here's the good news. It's just for a season. No matter how long they're with you, they're, they're probably not staying. It's sometimes the messiness is just for a season, whether that season be short or long. Sometimes the mess is something that we might have the power to change. Sometimes the mess might just be a part of life for the long term. Sometimes the mess might be something that we don't have the power to change, but we sure would love it if God might move miraculously and change it. And sometimes he does, and sometimes he meets us in the mess and sustains us in the mess. But here's the, here's the truth. In the midst of the beauty and the mess, we get to choose what are we going to spend most of our time looking at. Life is gonna be a mix of beauty and mess, and we get to choose what are we gonna spend most of our time looking at. I have a psychologist friend, Dr. Yarborough, he, he said it this way. He said, our lives are made up of positive realities and negative realities. The key is to acknowledge the truth of reality, whether positive or negative, but to over time set your focus on the good. So here it is. Embracing this tension that my life is filled with beauty and messiness and that that is okay, what this does for me is it helps me to choose the life I have. So often we go through life and we sort of have this kind of this little soundtrack in the back of our minds to say, I wish my life was different than it is. I wish my life was different than it is. And, and, but there's power in choosing the life that you 
have. The Bible calls this contentment. I love how Paul talks about this in Philippians 4 in the message translation. Let me read it to you. Paul says this. He says, I'm glad in God, far happier than you would ever guess. Happy that you're again showing such strong concern for me. Not that you ever quit praying and thinking about me. You just had no chance to show it. But I, look at this next part. Actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. When was the last time you thought that? I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now to be quite content whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much and with much as with little. I found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty, life filled with what seems like beauty, life filled with what seems like messiness. Whatever I have, whatever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. See, there's power in, in choosing the life we have. There's power in contentment. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't try and change some of the messy things that we can fix. And it doesn't mean that we don't ask God to move in power in the mess to change the things only he can change. But here's what it means. It means that we don't let the messiness steal our joy. And it means that we don't let the messiness blind us to the beauty. This is something Claire and I have been chatting about in our own lives and family over the last few months. I'm gonna ask Claire to join me for a little chat for a few minutes. So welcome Claire to the stage. Now listen, I just wanna, we're just a, a, a husband and a wife up here having a chat. And, uh, and so this isn't like this formal interview. And, uh, and, and so last service, um, I, I probably didn't seem as, uh, it didn't seem as formal of an interview as maybe some, people might've thought I was a little too silly and uh, prepare for that to happen again. And so uh, sometimes you just gotta set expectations. This interview could be messy. And so, uh, um, hey, and so, uh, so yeah, we've chatted about like the, you know, the, if you don't know Claire and I, so we, uh, we, we have a, a big family. And uh, if you, I, I define a big family as more, four or more kids. Uh, raise your hand if you have four or more kids. Raise your hand. All right. But blended, even you. blended counts. Raise your hand. Four or more. All the, all the ways. And so, uh, um, and, and so we have, uh, so we have three older daughters, 24, 18, and then 17 this week. And then we have three little boys we adopted uh, right before covid uh, and so um, that are 12 and seven and, and four. And so, um, and so the nature of a big family, we talked about that, there's just more of everything. More. So the term extra just doesn't say it. There's more of everything. There's more um, laughter, more joy, uh, more tears. More, more, more birthday parties. More birthday parties, lots of birthday presents, more tantrums, and sometimes it's the kids. It's, um, uh... There are weeks, there are weeks that we have uh, two visits to the ER because someone uh, manages to just have something. More ER visits, for sure. Uh, actually, when we were talking last service, we got a phone call from my daughter during the service. Uh, you get more, more emergency phone, phone, phone calls, calls from your children. More Christmas presents. Christmas is actually really fun. 
but also exhausting. Last year, we realized we bought our kids too many Christmas presents when we needed to have an intermission in opening up the gifts. And, uh, That's and when so, you know there's too so many this presents. year, we are just going to re-gift them the gifts from last year. Yep. Uh, the things that they don't remember playing with, they're getting it. Well, why, why is there no packaging on this? Uh, supply chain issues. And so, yes, absolutely. Uh, like, we're fully thinking that through. And, absolutely. Uh, I told them we would just get less presents this year because they didn't want to wear you out. And they're like, no, no, I've been training. I've been training. We can do this. We can open all these presents. Claire gets so. to live with multiple hyperactive boys, including me. That is super fun. That leads to more broken things, for sure. Uh, and Dave gets to live with more hormonal people, hormonal girls including me. And so pray for him. There's just, there's more of everything, but there's for sure more beauty, but it's, there's for sure more messy moments. Like for sure there's more of everything. And, and we've talked about how our, our instinct is to sort of look at it like as a binary, things are really good or they're really bad. Why don't you talk about some of your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's something, and I don't know if we're unique in that or if it's common for everybody, but I know the two of us, our personalities are such where it is kind of like everything is fantastic or everything is absolutely horrible. And it's so easy to kind of get in that mode. And I think that um, I'm kind of a recovering perfectionist and I've looked at things that way of where it's like, Everything is perfect or it's absolutely awful. And I think that, um, I do think that there is something innate in human beings. You were talking about in the garden, how God made everything perfect. And I do think that is something that God puts in us. It's a, it's a hunger for heaven. And it's this hunger for perfection, for things to be right and good. And, but that's not gonna be fulfilled until we're in heaven. And so that's where we go wrong is that we're looking at this life to be perfect. And I've noticed with myself that I get so busy looking for the perfect that I can't see the good. And that's been a problem with me a lot of times where it's like if, if things go wrong and the kids are going crazy and there's all these things, oh my gosh, my life is horrible. And it's just, it's such a challenge. And I think for moms especially, it's really hard because you're like, Oh my gosh, everything's horrible. This has happened, that has happened. And I think we wear it as a badge sometimes. Like, oh, my life is so hard. It's so hard. And uh, it's not, that's not honoring to God. That's not really something that is honoring to, to the whole picture of what he's created, the beauty that comes with the mess as well. And, um, and I think that sometimes I can even just be like, oh, I'm just a horrible mom, or I just take it to that that end and just start going on the extremes. And, and God's really been teaching me it's not either or, it's both and. And I even have that on my bulletin board at home, both and, that things can be both messy and we're having a hard time in this area and beautiful because God is doing this over here. And so I'm really training, having to train myself to think in the world of both and, not either or. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, for sure with a big family, the number of uh, days where everyone in the family has had a, like, just a great day for the, you know like those factories that are like 44 days since the last injury here at this factory. <laughs> like we have like a thing like 14 minutes since the last person cried here. And, uh, yes. Four, that's a good day. It's like, if we make minutes? it 14 minutes. That's it's, a good uh, day right there. Uh-huh, yep. And, and so, um, so uh, this contentment thing, uh, this kind of embracing the life you have, changing the things you can, asking mm-hmm. God to, to move in the things that, 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 that obviously we can't, but also accepting that in this life, there's gonna be this mix of the, the beauty and the mess. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, I think that, um, at two, it's, I mean, it's kind of funny when you think about like, why do I think my life should be perfect? Like we just learned of all these people in the Bible that their lives weren't perfect. I do kind of think like, I think it's our American, like it's the American suburban idea that that something I just feel like mostly be awesome. 
Yeah, like what, where'd that come from? Anyways, but um, what were you saying? The whole contentment thing, sorry guys. Uh, but the whole contentment thing, I think it comes down to um, really asking God to help us. To one, one of my prayers has been like, God, will you please um, enlighten my eyes? Psalm 13 talks about how God can enlighten our eyes to see life. And so I have to ask him, God, would you enlighten my eyes to see life? God, uh, on, in Psalm 3, it talks about how the Lord is the lifter of our head. I think sometimes we get so myopic and focus only on what's going on right here and that we, don't, we can't lift our head. We have to ask God to help us lift my head to see the good, to see what he's doing. Most of the times he's doing something amazing in the mess. He's, he has taught me more than anything else how much I need him in the middle of all the mess. And I praise God for that because I don't think I would have had such an acute awareness of that need uh, for him, for sure. And one other thing that has been really powerful for me is that uh, for all of us, that this beauty or mess, this is not where we find our hope. Because if it was, then give yourself, you get a good day and you're happy, you have a bad day and you're sad, and a good day and you're happy, and a bad day and you're sad. The reality is, as my hope is not in my beauty or my mess. My hope is in the Lord God Almighty, the everlasting God who created the heavens and the earth. He does not grow weary. He does not get tired. His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary. He gives power to the weak. He is my hope. Not this situation, not having a good day, not if my family's fine or my kids are fine or my job is fine or my health is fine. My hope is in the Lord God and he is unchanging and he is faithful and he is loving and I can trust him with all my beauty and with all of my mess, trusting that he is making a beautiful picture in the end with all of it. That's awesome. Thanks, Claire. Here's the last thing. This, the messy is temporary. The beautiful is forever. Uh, maybe you're here and uh, you're not sure what you think about Jesus and, and you're, you're sort of trying to figure all that out, but, but there's something inside of you that, that sees the messiness and brokenness uh, in the world and it bothers you. And, and I'd encourage you to just wrestle with maybe what's the source of that. I would say the source of that is that it wasn't supposed to be that way at the beginning. We weren't created for that. And that it won't always be that way. And, and, and that that's really the hope that, that, that Christians have, is that one day all of the messy is going to become beautiful. We see in Revelation chapter 21, you see at the beginning of the Bible, we see that at the beginning there was this garden where there was no mess. And then sin comes in and all the messiness comes with it. But then we see that it ends being made right again. We see uh, Revelation 21.1, he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. In the Bible, there, uh, many times uh, the ancient world kind of saw the ocean or the sea as like mysterious or dark or, or evil. He says, I, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. 
There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. See, the, the, the beauty is forever. The mess is only temporary. See, in the midst of the messiest moments in our life, we, we turn our eyes to the one who is always beautiful and will one day take away all the messy. If you grew up in a church that sang old hymns, there was a song written 100 years ago in 1922 by a lady named Helen Lemel. And here's how the song goes. It says, oh soul, are you, if you thought I was gonna sing it, I'm sorry to disappoint you. Uh, that would be messy for sure. Here's how it goes. Oh soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. See, I think those moments where we just get so focused on the messiness that we miss the beautiful things in life, but really more than that, we miss the, the, the beauty in God. He says, oh soul, what happens is we become weary and troubled and life feels dark. He says, oh soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. And then the refrain, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let me pray for you. So Father, I pray that you would help us. Lord, help us to, to live uh, well in this world that is filled with so much beauty and at the same time, so much messiness. Lord, I pray that you would Lord, the area, maybe there's some things, messiness that you'd call us to, to make changes in our life. Maybe there's messiness that you would have us just take to you because there's no way that, 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 that it's something that, that we could just change and it's something only you could even change miraculously. And so, so God, I pray that you'd know, help us to know how, how, to, how to look at the messy things the things that you'd call us to change, the things that you'd have us just lay at your feet. And, the, and then there's the things that, that you'd call us just to, to, to accept as a, a part of living in, in a life that's filled with beauty and messiness. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to, to spend more time looking at the beauty than the messiness. And Lord, I pray that you'd fill us with the hope Lord, that one day the, you will take all the messy away and it will only be beautiful. And Lord, in those moments where we feel overwhelmed by the mess, Lord, help us to remember to turn our eyes towards you, the one who is beautiful and the one who one day will make all things new. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this. And you can also find more information at lifechurchreno.com. Blessings to you.